There's a land beyond the river that we call the sweet forever. And we only reached that shore by faith's decree. One by one their seats were emptied. One by one they went away. We think of heaven a lot of times as the place of rest, and it certainly is. I believe over there we'll be active. His servants will serve him. I think all of us will have turns in the redeemed choir. And we have no idea, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither that entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And so anybody with his right thinking would want to go to heaven. But did you know the Bible teaches us that heaven is available here too? Turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. The word rest, R-E-S-T, is used in several ways in this chapter. And we want to look at it for just a moment or two as we think of that theme, there remains a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for the people of God. Beginning in verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my rest, in my wrath, if they shall enter to my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time as it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
I want to speak this morning from the first section of this chapter. And uh, the Lord willing, we'll deal with the second second part that has come as only in the Lord of Grace tonight. Look in verse 9 carefully. There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. There are several truths in this scripture, and I want to give them an outline fashion this morning. Number one, faith claims that rest. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Why do you come short of the promise of rest? Now when we speak of rest, we're not necessarily speaking of laboring all day and then going home and lying down in your bed and going to sleep and having that kind of rest. That term is used because so much of the time we need that type of rest. But the rest here spoken of is the tranquility of the heart, the mood of the spirit, that no matter what calamity, no matter what vicissitude, no matter what hurt or illness or death itself, there's rest for the people of God. Rest right here. And the thing that limits that rest is lack of faith. Faith claims that rest. And so the warning here, unto us was the gospel preached as well unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. In this audience today, both here and by radio, there are people who were hear the same words, the same message. You've heard, he lifted me, as Lloyd so beautifully sang it. You've heard, this is what heaven means to me. You've heard all these great songs. Beyond the tomb, beyond the cross, there's an empty tomb. You've heard these great truths of the gospel. Some, it goes in one ear and out the other. Some, it goes over their head. They have no idea what you're talking about. But some come with a hungry heart, a hungry spirit. And when you come with hunger, Jesus promised, blessed are those that hunger after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And the rest that God wants to give is available through faith. Faith grabs hold of that promise. That's me. I accept that. I believe it. I trust it. Secondly, the rest is available right now. Look in verses 3 to 8. For we which have believed do enter into rest. That's a bold statement. Mark it in your Bible. We already have that rest. As I have sworn to my wrath, if they shall enter to my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. We don't get rest from working. We get rest from trusting. Just trust him. You heard the story of the man 
at Niagara Falls, who was a, a tightrope walker. He stretched this tightrope across the falls, and he walked across it, and everybody hollered and screamed and applauded. Then he came back and said, how many of you believe I could take you across there? Oh, a bunch of hands went up. And then he said, who will trust me to do it? And there was a long silence. And finally, one young boy came up to the front. He said, I will. So the man said, all right, now you, you get on my shoulders. I want you to sit there. When I start across, if I sway a little bit, you sway with me. If I go back the other way, you go back with me. Whatever I do, you do. Don't budge a bit. Just let me be you and trust me completely. They started out across that line. And as he swayed a little bit, the boy swayed with him. He went back the other way, the boy went the other way. They crossed the line. They came back. And somebody said to the boy, how did you do that? Why, well, he said, I just trusted that man. I believed him. God has promised that you're not going to go anywhere. He won't go with you. He'll be with you. In sorrow, in financial difficulties, when your home is broken up. Even when you sin and repent of your sin, he said, I'll forgive your transgressions. And though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. How do we assure ourselves of that truth? We grab it by faith. We believe him. Well, is it just blind faith or can you sense the tug of God at your heart? You know about the little boy who was flying a kite and the kite was way out of sight and somebody came along and said, boy, what are you doing? He said, I'm flying a kite. And he looked up there and said, I don't see any kite. The boy said, I don't either, but I can feel the tug of it. Can you feel the tug of God in your heart? And can you trust him completely? There remains a trust, a rest, a faith for the people of God. Thirdly, this rest is limited by unbelief. Look in verses 10 and 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any fall after the same example of unbelief. And look at verse 10. For he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Now that's an amazing statement. You under, ought to underscore ceased from his own works. We do not receive rest because we work. We cannot say, well, I deserve heaven because I preached. Or I deserved heaven because I went to the choir. Or I ushered. Or I was a deacon. Or I did all kinds of good things for people. Or I gave to the poor. He said, that doesn't bring rest. Now, that may bring obedience. And we can obey the Lord, but the rest comes by simply trusting day by day, 
trusting through a stormy day. And when we trust and learn to trust, and that's our life pattern, when we come to the end of the way, it's not going to be hard to say, Lord, in thy hands I commend my spirit. Now Jesus was both human and divine. He was deity and human flesh. But the Bible tells us that he took upon him the limitations that we have so that he was tempted in all points like we're tempted. You would not think that the Son of God had to go through the vicissitudes of life that he had to go through. He was betrayed by one of his best friends. He was denied and cursed by another best friend. The tide of popular opinion turned against him. And when he went out to the cross, only his mother and John were there. Now you say, well, he was God. That didn't hurt him. Wait a minute. He took upon himself all the things that we have. Our Savior suffered loneliness. Our Savior suffered the defeat that you feel when your dearest friends betray you. Has that ever happened to you? Has somebody ever come home and said, I don't love you anymore, I'm going to leave? You feel hurt deep in your heart. You don't know what to do. Or your son and daughter curse you and leave and don't have anything to do with you. Jesus knew all of that. He did not have that rest because he did not have vicissitudes. He had that rest because of a perfect relationship between his heart and God. You and I can have that same thing. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied, God will take care of you. It doesn't matter. Well, certainly all of us would rather have friends that love us and friends that take care of us and friends that meet our needs and friends that encourage us, a home that's a blessed home. Somebody said the home is the castle of the man. Every man wants that. Every woman wants a husband who assures her day by day by day of his loyalty, his strength, his faith, his love. But I want to tell you, your rest cannot depend upon that because what happens when you don't have that? Then you just go all to pieces. You pull your hair and walk the floor and wring your hands and go visit a psychiatrist and take wake-up pills to get up and sleep pills to go to sleep. I want to tell you, our Heavenly Father doesn't want you to have to depend on that. There's a rest for the people of God, and we can have it right here through a perfect trust in the Lord. And when we trust like that, we come to the end of the day. It isn't hard to pray, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. We trust. A little child trusts mother and daddy. There's a little baby with us today. First time maybe he's been to church. I don't know, maybe he's been going to church all along. 
but he's come first time here. And her name is J.C. Nicole. Now she's not worried about a thing. She's sitting over there in her grandmother's lap. Thanks, sleeping. She's not worried about the snow or the weather, or whether she's going to eat today, or whether she's going to sleep tonight, or whether somebody's going to love her. Not worried about that. She just complete trust. That's what God wants us to have in Him. Now, the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. But that doesn't mean you have to be robbed of rest and peace. I have come to bring peace. And Jesus gives that peace as you receive it. Well, let me give you the last point. There remains a rest for the people of God. That's the eternal rest. When you come down to the end, and everybody's coming there, if the Lord, you know, I, I, I trust the Lord will come this the coming year. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had no death and no sorrow and no sighing and we all would go up in the rapture? Yeah. I sometimes pray, Lord, let that rapture occur while we're all at church. We all go up together. And that'd be a glorious day. But a lot of our loved ones have gone through the valley. We met this Christmas without some loved ones who were here in other Christmases. Certainly there were some tears and loneliness and you felt it. But you know, when we have that perfect rest, we can have the assurance that some of the men and the women of faith who have had. When William Carey was dying, he said, when I'm gone, speak less of Dr. Carey and more of Dr. Carey's Savior. An elect lady said, if this is dying, it is the pleasantest thing imaginable. Susanna Wesley said, children, when I'm gone, sing a song of praise to God. Frances Havergale, on the final day of her life, asked a friend to read to her from the 42nd chapter of Isaiah. When she had read the sixth verse, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee. As Havergale stopped and said, called, held, kept, she whispered, I can go home on that. Dr. R.G. Lee preached in our pulpit many, many times in years gone by. I think he was 90 the last time he preached here. He went home when he was 91. While he was dying, Billy Graham came to see him and Bev Shea. And Bev Shea sang, How Great Thou Art. His foster daughter was there and she noticed that Dr. Lee had gone into a faint, apparently was dying. So she went to call the doctor. When she came back in, she saw Billy Graham on his knees. Dr. Lee had his arms up around Dr. Lee, uh, around Dr. Billy Graham, praying for him. And then he said, oh, do you see the light? Now what light, Papa? Look over there, the light. 
There it is. Oh, oh, it's, it's heaven. And there he is, there's Jesus. And there's mama. Oh, he said, that's heaven. He said, I tried to preach for it for about it for 60 years. I never did it justice. Then he went to heaven. They sang a while ago, this is what heaven means to me. What is heaven? It's the perfect rest of trust. So when my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide and I take that nail-scarred hand and there's assurance, there remains a rest for the people of God and that rest is available to you. It's yours for the taking. As we said a while ago, some will hear this and it will go in one ear and out the other. Some will go over their head. But somebody here, either here or in the audience of the radio, is, is hungry for that rest. And God will give it to you if you reach out and receive it. Jesus died on the cross. He took all of my sins and yours. And he was guilty of them. And he opened not his mouth. He did not defend himself because he stood guilty before God and all the wrath of God was poured upon him. You say, but he never sinned. But he took my sins and your sins. He took the judgment God would give to us. Now either you take the judgment or you take what Jesus earned for you at the cross and receive him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you there is a rest for the people of God. That rest is available even now. We pray that somebody will turn from confusion, disaster, tragedy, and turn to Jesus. And let Jesus be their rest. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand, please. What's the number? Verse? 154. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home calling today would you come to him let him be your personal savior and friend if you're on the periphery you're over here somewhere you're not in the center of the will of God and you want to get there why not make a beeline today for the center and say I want to be in the will of God I want that rest that he has promised would you come to him right now and then if you're never saved, or if you're not sure, it's been a long time, and you got rusty at it, would you come back to God this morning? Just give him your life and trust him for the first time. If your membership is in some other church and God wants you, here you come. While we sing, Jesus is tenderly calling, will you come?